Okay, I'm going to start today's episode with what might be a difficult question. What do you see when you stand naked in front of the mirror? More importantly, what do you feel? What kind of a relationship do you have with your body? Is your body a peaceful home and a beautiful place to live? Or are you at war with your body? Do you harbor feelings of hate, shame, guilt, or frustration with your body? What kind of a relationship do you want to have with your body? And how would you even go about starting to engage with a healthy relationship with your body? And then how would you foster that relationship for the rest of your life? How do you get to a place where you are kind, caring, supportive, and nourishing to and with your body? In other words, how do you go from body war to body peace? Hello and welcome to the Over 50 Health and Wellness Show. I'm your host, Kevin English. I'm the founder and CEO of The Silver Edge, and our mission is to help you get into the best shape of your life, no matter your age, so you can show up in the second half of your life as the healthiest, strongest, most vital version of yourself. We have a great show for you today. Nina Mandelson is here, and she's going to help us learn to make peace with our bodies. But before we get to that, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Ned. Ned makes the world's best natural remedies. They're probably best known for their line of full-spectrum CBD products, which are beyond organic. Their hemp is actually biodynamically grown just for them. And with the wild rise in popularity of CBD products these days, there are tons of options in the marketplace. But if you want to be 100% sure that you're getting the finest available full-spectrum CBD, definitely check these guys out. Now, that being said, I am madly in love with their magnesium product, which is called Mellow. It helps me de-stress and it optimizes my sleep and it's a part of my pre-bed ritual every night. Anyway, if you're interested in learning more, head over to silveredgepartners.com and click on the Ned icon. And because you're a listener of this show, you can save 15% off your first order when you use the coupon code SILVEREDGE at checkout. That's silveredgepartners.com, and the coupon code is SILVEREDGE, all run together, no spaces. Okay, enough of that. Let's get on with today's show. My guest today is Nina Mandelson. Nina is a body peace coach who helps people end the war with food and body and finally feel truly at home in their own bodies. She has over 30 years of experience as a therapist and a health and wellness coach. Join us today as Nina helps us learn how to enter a new relationship with ourselves and our bodies and how to finally end our body wars and create meaningful, lasting body peace. Without further ado, let's meet Nina. So I ended up being a body peace coach because I was an expert at body war. That was pretty much my existence for as long as I can remember. I went on my first diet when I was nine. I could tell you every single Weight Watcher rule and all the iterations of it over several decades. I tried all the diets, all the things, but it was constantly the struggle with me and my body. And I grew up in Montreal and there is a phrase there. I now live in Boston, but I grew up in Montreal and there's a phrase, je me sens bien dans ma peau. It's a French phrase that means I feel good in my skin. And I was like, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. I was like, I don't know what that means to feel good in my body. All I knew was my body wasn't good enough and so-and-so's body was better. And I should be like so-and-so's body and so-and-so's body. And I'd walk into every room and compare, even when I was young. And so somewhere along the journey, I was like, you know what? This isn't working. Something's got to shift. And so I started to deep dive into our relationship with our body. And that led me to actually becoming a body worker. I did massage for years and really touching women and really hearing the story of everybody's body and understanding that we're so much more than, you know, a bunch of 
bones and muscles. We are a whole complete nuanced epic journey that is held in this flesh of ours. And so because of that, that led me to become a therapist. I went back and got a master's in counseling, but I was still struggling with food and body. And I was having kids and I was like, this cannot continue for another generation because I was raised on the culture of diets and I didn't want to raise my kids that way. So I eventually went back to school to learn nutrition and then started bringing those things together, right? What's happening? What's the psychology in our body? What's the psychology that goes into our eating, right? What is the story of our body? And that led me into body trust work, intuitive eating work, psychology of eating work until I cultivated this whole body of work, which I call body peace. So you've come a long way. You started this description by saying that you were at war with your body for the, I think, the majority of your life there. And yeah. you mentioned, I think, that you started your first diet at age nine. Now, was there any one event in your life or where, how did that shift happen for you? Because you're right. I, I think a lot of people, especially people that are on a weight loss journey or trying to lose weight or may have unsuccessfully or quote unquote failed in their diets, they're comparing, right? I want, I want my body to look more like that body, the body that the fitness marketing machine spits out for us. Mm -hmm. And on the front covers of these magazines, what, how did you make that shift? How did, cause that's, that's a, that's a pretty instrumental shift in your life, right? Yeah. To go from, you know, I, I, I feel unworthy. I feel I, I want this and I can't get it to, yeah. you know what? Hold on. This, this comparison isn't serving me. Yeah. So in some ways it was a really gradual shift in terms of slowly learning how to actually be embodied feel my body, notice my sensation, learn how to listen. I literally have a course called Body Listening Lab because learning to listen to my body was so important to me. And it also felt a little bit sudden because at a certain point I was, this is such a weird thing to say, but I was bored with my own thoughts. I was exhausted mm and bored. I was like, are you kidding me? Again, I'm walking into a room and going, is she bigger than me? Is she bigger than me? Am I bigger than her? Like, I was like, this is tiresome, exhausting, boring, and I'm done. And that's when I got really serious. And it's often when women come to work with me, when I can, when I know that they're actually ready to start the work, when they're like, I am so done with this internal conversation of, oh my gosh, I can't believe I ate that. Should I eat this? What about the scale said this to me today? Like, they're like, it's occupying too much of my brain. And that was truly a snapping point for me where I was like, I have more important things to think about than the size of my upper arms. Okay. So I, I love all of that, obviously. So you, you had talked about listening to your body. And I remember early on in this show, I had a, a very competitive, in fact, he won the CrossFit Games, very competitive athlete. And one of the things he mentioned in there is, is he was talking about, you know, well, how do you prepare for, you know, just these physical feats at such a high level? And he said, it's very important. I, I need to listen to my body. And when my body whispers to me, I need to be able to respond. And at the time I thought, holy moly, this guy is so in tune with his body that when it whispers to him, he yeah. listens and responds. And I think most of us, not only do we not hear when our bodies whisper to us, we don't hear when our bodies yell at us, oh right? Oh my gosh. Kevin, I love that you say that, right? Because yeah. our bodies are yelling so they are always talking often. To us. Mm -hmm. They're always talking, but then when we don't hear the whisper and we don't hear the normal tone conversation and we don't hear Wrap the, my voice is being raised a little, then our body starts yelling like crazy. Yes. And it yeah. is. But the other thing I want to say about that is it's a learnable skill. I didn't grow up like, oh, listen to your body. It's just we were not raised on that. We were actually yeah. raised to ignore sensation. You're not hungry. Somebody else's needs are bad more important, bigger, better than yours, like ignore. And when I talk to nurses, that's like the perfect example on steroids, which is when I say, well, do you stop to pee? They're like, no, not till the end of my shift. There's no time. Like literally your body says I need to pee. And you're like, I can't do that. 
But learning how to listen to our body is learnable. It's something we can reclaim. Yeah, I love that. Learning li learning to listen to your body is something that you can actually learn, right? That's It's something that can be trained and there's great value in that. Because to your point, when your body's trying to tell you something and you don't hear it or you can't hear it, it's just going to speak louder and louder until finally something maybe potentially breaks. All right. Well, Nina, before we go any further, let's back up and let's define, you had mentioned a couple of times now, you're a body piece coach. Mm -hmm. What is a body piece coach? Yeah. So fundamentally what I do is help women repair the relationship with their body and food, right? So if they are like I was at war or in the struggle of feeling good in their own skin, feeling at home in their own body, then the work that we do is how do we create a, a home, a place to live? Because this is it for the duration, right? How do we yeah. create this place that we're going to live to be a place where we can be like, this is a peaceful home. This is a place where we can have a conversation. This is a place where my body says what she needs or what he needs. And I am listening. I am tuning in and being able to respond. I'm not just in reaction to the latest, greatest diet that somebody created because it worked for them for a year. No, we're actually in a long-term committed relationship. And that's what the work of body piece is, is how do we come into that relationship? How do we foster that relationship? And how do we feel good in that relationship? Okay. I love all of that. And we talk a lot on this show about making change, making small change and making change that is sustainable for the rest of your life, something that will become a habit and then just mm -hmm. become woven into the fabric of your life. Because you had mentioned, you know, we're not going to go on a diet. We're not going to do keto for six months or try intermittent fasting or whatever the flavor of the month is. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, what all, and there's nothing wrong with any of those things, right? If people want to do that and it serves them well, that's fine. But really what you're talking about is fundamentally changing our relationship to ourselves, to our food, to the way we eat, to the way we view our bodies and our food forever, right? right. So when you have these people coming into you and I suppose the motivation for change can be very powerful, right? And for well, let's back up. Let's talk about motivation for change, specifically because you specialize in women. When women are coming to you and they want to change, and let's just say they want to change their weight, right? What typically do you see as the main motivators for them on this journey? So it's interesting when you talk about motivation, because what are they, what's the motivation? That's really what I want right. to know. Because often people say, I want to lose weight. I want, and I'm like, okay, so let's talk about that. If you lose weight, then what? How right. would you feel, right? It's digging under that. I would feel more energetic. Great. That's a great goal. Let's go for energy. I would feel confident getting dressed in the morning and being fully myself. Great. Let's go for that. I would feel more sexual, more sensual. I would feel more connected in a room full of people. I wouldn't feel so much shame. I wouldn't hide. Great. Let's go for what you really want. Weight loss is often the placeholder. It's a sticker that society puts on top of all those things that we want. I want to age and be mobile and vibrant and, and feel strong right? Let's go for that. Let's go for the things that we truly value. Our It's our culture that has trained us to go, in order to get what I want, I have to jump through this hoop. And that hoop is weight loss. So, oh, if I have to jump through the hoop of weight loss to get what I want, okay, then what's the next latest, greatest diet? Because I'll do anything to get to what I want. And if the hoop I have to jump through is weight loss, then well, what's the path? What's the new diet? So what if we just took away that hoop and went, you actually yeah. don't have to jump through the hoop of weight loss. But then women say, yes, but I'm not comfortable in my body, right? Well, but then we need to go for what do you want? 
Because when we get what we want, we start taking care of ourselves nicely, right? Going on the next diet, losing the 15 pounds, then gaining the 30 pounds because, you know, 95% of people who go on diets gain their weight back, if not more in two to five years. So that feeling of, okay, I lost the weight. Now I've gained the weight. Now I feel bad really derails us in terms of treating ourselves. And I love what you say, like, well, for the duration, that sustainable experience of being kind, caring, supportive, nourishing to and with our body for the whole journey. That's what we want. Because when we're doing that, there's a sense of, oh, okay. Then we get to just enjoy. And really, if after 50, we're not at a place of like, this is my life, when are we going to get there? Right. If we're still hustling, like Brene Brown talks about, if we're still hustling for that worthiness to get our body to be just that shape, really, if not now, I don't know when it's time to let that whole mentality of weight loss is the way for me to feel good in my body. It's not true. Yeah, that's that's very well said. And I, when I asked about motivation, I'm, I'm kind of thinking a lot of times I'll have somebody say, "I want to, I want to lose weight." Okay, well, why do you want to lose? Well, I want to, I want to get to a certain number on the scale. And we can talk about the scale and mm-hmm. <laughs> and its role in our culture. And then, but you have to keep digging because very often times you alluded to it very well. The real reasons people people want to do any sort of health journey is it, there's typically some emotion there, right? And what what I'd like to try and get to is that positive emotion of change as opposed to the negative emotion of change. Negative emotions, that, that guilt or that shame or that self-loathing, they can be very powerful motivators to get somebody to start any sort of health or weight loss journey, but that's not going to sustain you for the long, the long run, right? But if you are looking at this from a place of self-care, self-love, and honoring your body, and not so much playing a, a comparison game or chasing a number on a scale, then I think that we're much better set up for that long-term success, right? And somebody might shoot back to you, yeah, but well, how does me just honoring and loving myself get get rid of these 20 pounds, right? So yeah. what do you say to people that are yeah. that are in that place, right? In their mind where they're they just they need to they need just that little bit of help with that perspective switch. Yeah. I love that conversation because what there's actually science on our side for that conversation. So a couple of wonderful researchers around self-compassion, Chris Grimmer and Kristen Neff, have done a tremendous amount of research in the last 15, 20 years on the impact of self-compassion. And what they've found is that self-compassion, when we are in that place of being kind and caring with ourselves, it has more positive impact on how we treat ourselves and creating sustainable, supportive habits in our life than willpower, than self-esteem, the rah-rah cheerleader thing. That doesn't work either, right? than being shaming and being negative, right? So those modes that we often think, well, I'll just be really tough on ourselves, actually, scientifically, doesn't create sustainable, positive behaviors. Willpower, ugh, I could go on and on with willpower about that one. And that idea that if we just were stronger, right? That's actually, if you're open to it, Kevin, I actually have a poem about willpower. would love for you to share a poem about willpower. Great. And it's interesting because one of the things that I have started to do in the last few years is write body poems. And what they are is they're sort of a my free form way of creating a different way for us to relate to the conversation we're having with our body. So this one is called Dear Willpower. You said you'd be there for me. You said you'd stop me before I finished eating the whole thing. You said you'd take me to the gym in the morning. 
Dear Willpower, even Nike told me how great you were. They repeated your anthem, just do it over and over. And so I really believed you. I wanted to believe in you. I believed that if you were by my side, I'd be strong and thin and in control. But frankly, willpower, you're not all that. You let me down. You're really no match for my inner rebel, my inner pleasure seeker, and you wither in the face of my contempt, my absolute anger, my disdain, and boredom at society's ideals of what I should do and how I should be. So you know what, dear willpower? I'm done fighting with you. I'm done feeling bad when we're not talking. We're done. I'm breaking up. And instead, I'm going out with passion and compassion, with kindness and self-respect. We get along so much better. They're way more fun and so much more reliable. I love that. Yeah. So to your point, my industry, the fitness, health, nutrition industry, especially the marketing machine side of that is very guilty of selling because let's face it, that's what that industry is doing. It's selling. I'm selling you this program. I'm selling you this fat loss smoothie. I'm selling you something, right? And we use the the motivation and that rah-rah and that, that determination and grit and willpower where there's a time and a place for that in our lives. It can't be in the driver's seat. And to your point, <laughs> maybe it's time to break up, right? And yes. you said, hey, I'm going out with, what do you say, self-love and compassion and kindness and self-acceptance, self-worth. So I'm replacing just this sheer determination because, again, there's a time and place for determination. Don't get me wrong. And I think you would probably agree with that. But it's not it's not the main driver towards this that's going to make us have this successful healthy relationship with ourselves. Is that fair? Yes. And I want to say something, Kevin, and you and I both literally are in the roles in people's lives of being a support. And so I would say that more than that sense of commitment and determination, because so often we're told like, be strong is to say, I need support here. Mm. I need support. There was a time where both of my shoulders were frozen and I was like, I'm not moving. Everything hurts. I am not moving. But I knew that if I walked, my arms would sway gently and that that was a good thing just to keep a little mobility. And so I said to my husband, imagine I'm a puppy and I need walking every day because I am not going to want to walk. I do not want to get out of this house. I hurt. And he was like, okay, I can be that support right? That's what coaches do. That's what we, that's what the good part of your industry and my industry is all about is how can we support when you're feeling like, oh my gosh, I've tried 500 million times. I cannot do it. So don't do it alone, right? That's the Mm -hmm. myth that's in, in, that's embedded in willpower that's embedded of I'm going to be motivated enough is that somehow we're supposed to hold it all that we're supposed to do it alone. Gosh, I've never done any like, yes, I've done things alone. But like, I ask for support. And that's what makes it go to feel like, like, this journey in this body is a solo job. It's a solo, you know, experience. It's not we life is team. Life is a team sport, and so is nourishing ourselves. Oh, I I love that concept that life is a team sport, and so is nourishing ourselves. And certainly, I I do take that very, that's kind of the sacred part of our our roles, right? Is that supporting, meeting people where they are, having that empathy and that understanding, and knowing that everybody is either a bio-individual, but we all have different backgrounds, we have different beliefs, we have different starting places. So our journey, my journey is not the same as your journey, it's not the same as the next person's, but just honoring that, understanding that and guiding these people in these principles as opposed to here's your meal plan here's your exercise plan go out and execute and you know if you what's the matter with you how how, how can you not be fit after that right but so Kevin, what I, I you just that, said is what's the like what's the matter with me that i can't like what's the matter with me here's the instructions what's the matter and that's right. exactly what we say to ourselves what's mm-hmm. the matter with me i hear 
all the time from women who come. I feel like I'm broken. What's the matter with me that I can't get this right? I'm so capable in so many aspects of my of life. My life. Yeah, right. What mm -hmm. is my issue? Right. And then it becomes the self-blame game, right? The shame, the self-blame. And it's like, ouch. Right. And literally that is, there's, I always, I talk about there's two relationships that our culture teaches us that we can be with in our body. One is feel bad about it. I blame myself. I shame myself. I feel bad about my body. I hate my body. I get dressed in the morning and I feel terrible. And the other is I'm on a diet. I'm doing great. Then hmm, that works yeah. right for two months. Then, oh, now sure. I'm back into shame yeah. and blame. So that's not that's a, really, a vicious cycle. It's completely that is literally the diet cycle right there. That is the diet cycle. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, well, it's not healthy on it. It's not healthy biologically, as it turns out, <laughs> that constant yo-yo dieting. And it's certainly not yeah. healthy for your emotional, mental, spiritual state either, to be sure. And, you know, I think that going back to your point about people thinking, what's wrong with me? Why can't I get this right? And they hear this very simplistic advice that is very simple, just eat less and move more. <sighs> and there's a, a number of reasons why that's, that's not great advice. <laughs> yes. I don't know that we need to unpack all of that here. <laughs> Certainly we've done that on other shows, but people hear this and they think, well, it's, it's so simple and I, I can do, you know, I'm amazing in so many parts of my life. Why is this so difficult? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it sets people up for that kind of that guilt, blame, shame, downward yeah. cycle, and uh, just all kinds of negative consequences there. So but that I question, but I'm yeah. sorry, I'm totally interrupting. But that question is so important. Like, why is this so difficult? Why is this so hard? Yeah. And it, it, it is hard. Like, first of all, to acknowledge it is hard instead of going like, mm -hmm. why is this so hard? Throw our hands up. I'm a victim to like, this is just impossible. Like, yes, the because diets don't work, right? We They just don't. The most common outcome of dieting is weight gain and disordered eating, right? They don't work. But why is this difficult? Is because we are raised in this culture of body management, right? That is part of why it's so difficult. Another reason, like, like I could go on about why is it so difficult, for a long time, but a few of them are, it's so difficult because who are the models that we had, right? Were you raised by a mother or father who, when someone who was in a large body walked down the street, they went, oh, so lazy, right? And did the lazy flat, fat slob trope that is embedded in the fat phobia of our culture, right? And so then we pulled that in and went, oh my gosh, if my body gets at all big, then there's something, I'm broken. So why is it hard? It's so hard because we've got old stuff, old messages from people we love baked into us about the value of a small body, the value of a perfectly toned, I'm putting this in air quotes, toned body. Right. So there are, when people say, why is this so hard? There are a lot of reasons. It's not like, why is this so hard for me? It shouldn't be. No. Why is this so hard? Let's look at it. Let's look at where you got the messages that your body was not okay. Where you got the messages that you needed to bully your body. Where you got the messages that the only way to eat was to be on somebody else's program and that you could not trust your body. No way, no how. It is hard because we have those messages in our brain, in our body. We do have those messages in our brain. I suppose we have those messages in our body, to your point. And we do have a culture of of, of fat shaming, right? And certainly, the again, the, the health and wellness popular media, maybe inadvertently, maybe intentionally, certainly plays into that. And that only increases the divide, right, between those that are fit and healthy and saying, why can't you people be over here like this? It's, yeah. it's simple. Look at me. And the other people going, why can't I be over there? I've, I've, I've tried. And what, you know, going back to that, what works for me may not work for you and that this is this is difficult and it is a journey. It's a lifelong journey and it's not a diet to your point. Diets don't work. I mean, if you want to lose five pounds, then 
temporarily, then you could go on a diet and that would probably work. But what you're talking about is more this changing your lifestyle, changing really almost, it is changing your relationship with yourself and in yeah. some ways changing yourself, right? So what are some steps that women, when they they come to you and they say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to lay this all out. Here's where I am. I want to, this time I'm serious. I want to make this transformation. I've, you know, I've listened to this podcast or maybe I've gone onto your website or I've encountered your message somewhere, read your poems. I'm inspired, but what do I have to do? I mean, you're saying to love myself. I have some work to do there. I, I can see that. Where do I go from there? What are, what are the steps that I'm taking on this journey? Yeah. So, um, I'm smiling because before, before I get into it, can I, can I read you one other poem when Please you do, said, yeah. you know, I just like, I'm just going to love myself. Right. And it's, it's a little, it's more complex. And people say like, are you just going to tell me to love myself or are you going to like help me be in a body that I like. So I do want to share with you this poem and it's called loving your body is too hard because sometimes it does feel like that when people say like, Oh, you're going to love your body. So this poem is called loving your body is too hard. I tried. I really tried every day. I would stand in front of the mirror and affirm. I love my body. I love my shape. I love myself. I channeled my inner Louise. Hey, I wanted to be that person who loved herself, loved her curves, even loved her thighs. It didn't help. I still heard that mean mirror voice laughing, mocking, cutting at me in her disbelief of my body love. Loving your body is too hard. It was too hard for me, too big a leap, too far to go from being indoctrinated by diet culture, by an industry making money from my shame. Body love was only for the thin. If I was anything but thin, body love was settling. Body love was giving up. So I gave up on body love. I settled on a body relationship, a real relationship full of hate and anger, so much grief, a relationship riddled with annoyance, impatience, and snarkiness. And the longer I hung out in this real relationship, I found something started to shift. New experiences started to emerge, true appreciation, actual body peace, moments of ease. And then there it was like a gem glistening amidst a mountain of rocks. Some love for myself, some actual body love in the midst of the mess of relationship, the reality of everyday feelings. There she was, sparkling, appreciation, compassion, caring, support for myself, body love. Body love is too hard. It's too big a stretch. Let's start with being in a real messy relationship. Start there and see what gets uncovered. I love that. So we're going to meet ourselves where we are yes. and not try and bite this all off in one big piece, right? Because it's fine for somebody to say, okay, here's the secret what you're doing wrong. It's not the diet. It's not the exercise. You just need to love yourself. Ugh. So go stand in front of a mirror <laughs> naked and say these, <laughs> these affirmations, right? I love my body. I love my body. It doesn't maybe that will work for you. It but does, maybe no, I honestly, years? 10 years, I did it for 10 years. Yeah. I said it. And for 10 years, I heard that mean mirror voice. So really what we're trying to do, and it was my long way of saying, we're trying to create a relationship and one very powerful, small, seemingly, oh, it's not going to make any difference kind of suggestion just to start this is part of my hello technique. And it's literally, and we can try it right now if you want, is close sure. your eyes, put your hand on your heart or wherever else feels good. And say the words, hello, body. Hello, body. body. And breathe and just feel. So, Kevin, what do you notice? Yeah, I have, I have a very, 
a very sacred relationship with my physicality, with my body, right? Mm -hmm. So what I notice is just, I, I'm probably where a lot of people would like to be, right? And it's mm -hmm. taken a long time to get here, yes. but I, I do love my body. I do love myself. And this is, I haven't arrived. It's a journey. I'm still working on it. But what I notice is when I say hello body, I immediately am washed over with this feeling of peace and ease. Yeah. I am at peace with where I am. And that doesn't mean that I don't want to, you know, improve myself and change things and try to be better. But it means that right, I am where I'm supposed to be right now. And I'm comfortable with that. And like I said, there's, a, there's a spiritual sacredness to my body, right? It's, it, it's, it's what I have to move around and experience this, this world that we're all in, right? So, But I love yeah. that, Kevin. That's like the most beautiful definition, what you just explained, what happens when you say hello body is like a gorgeous definition of body peace, right? But that hello uh, yeah. body, it it's starts- body peace, the, I suppose. It is. Yeah, but what we're doing, because not everybody is going to put their hand on their heart and feel body peace, right? But mm. what we're doing, no matter what you felt when you put your hand on your heart and, and said hello body, is you're starting a conversation. And that's what we want, right? If we're being yelled at all the time as a human, we don't want to talk to the person who's yelling at us, right? The way that, Kevin, you and I started the conversation. Hi, Kevin. Right? Yeah. We start by going, being, being kind, having some kind of etiquette that opens the conversation. And that's something we want to just begin to cultivate with our body because we've been trained out of the conversation. We want to start initiating the conversation because we're yelling at our body, do this. Our body's yelling at us saying, I'm in pain because blah, blah, blah. And that's not a conversation. That's a fight. That's not. Yeah, that's a fight. I think, yeah, going back to the very beginning of this conversation, you said, I was at war with my body. Well, how do you have a conversation with somebody you're at war with? You yes, don't, right? You that's don't. just conflict. That's not a conversation. But stopping, pausing, and saying, hello, body. I love that imagery. I love that idea. And I love that as a starting place, right? The idea that we are opening a communication that probably many of us, especially folks that do not have a good relationship with their body, maybe never have. Yeah just as a starting place on that. So thanks thanks for sharing that. I, I think that that's very insightful because I, I think that I didn't want to make this too woo-woo, right? Well, you just have to love yourself and self-care and self-love and that's our path oh to success. And while I, I'm <laughs> no. all on board with, with self-love <laughs> Like I love the concept, but it's just I not- I love the concept. It's not real. Yeah, yeah, it's not yeah we have to work at it. It goes back to the life. poem you read where you said, well, hey, I'm breaking up. In that case, you were saying I'm breaking up the willpower, mm -hmm. but- you know what, I'm going to go out and I'm going to flirt with all these other things. Yes. And, and maybe for a while, you know, it's, it's messy. You had talked about, you know, I'm going to give this up and just be in this relationship. Sometimes it's angry. Sometimes it's ugly. Sometimes it's mean spirited. And other times it's okay, but I'm going to be okay with that. And I'm going to start to start there, meet myself there and engage in my, and that, start that conversation there from that place where I am. So Absolutely that's authentic, that. right? That's authentic, that's authentic relationship. That's meaning, right? Yeah. I've been married for many, many years. And is every day rainbows and unicorns? No, it's that's not real yeah. relationship, right? There's moments where we like completely miss each other. There's moments where we're like, wait, what did you just say? Is this what you meant? No, that's not what I meant. I meant this. Oh, 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 okay, I get it, right? Where we, it takes a little while to get the message across. And then there's some days where we're like completely in tune with each other. That is real relationship. And then there's some days yeah. where like, I can't believe you said that, right? That is authentic, long-term relationship. We are raised in a culture that says relationship should look like the Hollywood, you know, love at first sight trope, right? Mm. That whole idea. Mm. That's not a real relationship. And it's not a real relationship that we have with our body either. Yeah. And to your point, that's a good analogy. Those, you know, I've also been married for quite a while and, you know, anybody that's been married 25 plus years will tell you it takes work. A relationship yes. takes work and it's not always rainbows. It's, I mean, it, which makes it special when it is, but it, you, it is something you need to work at. And then certainly communication is a, is a big piece of that as well. So I wanted to shift gears just a little bit. 
I read a poem and just trying to prepare for this this interview where you talked about a therapist saying, well, if you weren't feeling fat, what would you be feeling? And I, I, I wondered if you might want to share that particular poem and then talk a little bit about fat as a size and not a feeling, because that one I think might land with a lot of folks. Yes, absolutely. I can find that for you. Okay. So this poem is completely self-autobiographical. Like when I say sitting in my therapist's sofa, like that was me, just to be clear, to be totally authentic. Okay, so this poem is called I Feel Fat. Sitting in my therapist's too soft sofa, I'd exclaim with deep despair, I feel fat. And patiently, week after week, she'd say, if you weren't feeling fat, what would you be feeling? It took me months to understand the question, what do you mean if I wasn't feeling fat? I do feel fat. I feel unacceptable. I should do something about the number on the scale. I should fix my non-perfect body. No, really, this is all about my size. I believed it until I didn't. Until the cultural brainwashing started to thaw. Fat is not a feeling. Fat is a size It's a descriptor. Feeling fat is a placeholder. It's a placeholder for so many feelings that don't have words, feelings that don't have permission to be felt, feelings that don't know how to go out. So they just turn back on me and attack my self-worth. I decoded feeling fat. It means I feel sad, mad, disappointed, angry, overwhelmed, confused, uncomfortable, jealous, and every other feeling. And sometimes it was easier to feel fat. It's familiar. It's the known pain instead of the terror of the deeper feeling underneath the fat. But here's the secret. That deeper feeling has wisdom. It doesn't tear you to shreds. It doesn't disown your body. It invites you home. It invites you to your knowing, to your innate wisdom. So my question to you is, if you weren't feeling fat, what would you be feeling? Yeah, that is that is beautifully, beautifully said. And I, I just, again, I wanted to pull out that, that concept of fat is a size, not a feeling, but so many women, of course, and, and men, we feel fat, right? I feel yeah. fat, and then all the sewage that goes along with that, right? All that sewage. Oh my sewage. gosh, it's just such a perfect word for that. <laughs> it is. It is, but it's also worth taking the moment when you catch yourself saying or even thinking, "Oh, I'm so fat. I feel fat. What is? What am I feeling?" Because it's such a default feeling. For those of us who have struggled with food and body, it's a familiar way to feel bad about ourselves. And it is much easier to go into that default, I feel bad about myself, than I feel socially uncomfortable here. I feel afraid because I'm, you know, one of my kids is going through a hard time. I feel pressured because I have all these deadlines at work, right? It's easier to go like, okay, there's a feeling, there's something there. I don't even know it's a feeling, but I'm feeling bad. How, what's familiar? Let me feel bad about myself. I feel fat. So it's really worth doing some archaeology when we hear those thoughts or words. Yeah, it certainly is. And I, I think that for a lot of people also, that's very insightful, right? That we often default to what's familiar, even when what's familiar is uncomfortable or not nice, right? But because it's comfortable and it's known, we feel somehow safe there, I guess, is, is a way of saying it. And as you were saying that, I'm just thinking, so somebody, a man or a woman who's overweight, feeling fat, not feeling good, and to your point, probably has some things underneath there as well. And one of the ways we medicate that pain is through this emotional eating. And now what we're doing is we're setting up this sort of, we want an upward spiral. We talked about spiraling up earlier. Now we're kind of moving into the space of this darker downward spiral. Well, I feel bad about myself. I feel fat. Why can't I, you know, why we've gone through that. Why can't I? 
and now I'm going to numb some of this pain yeah. with food. And there's actually, there are some biological and hormonal reasons why we would do that. It works. But, but yes, it works. <laughs> it yeah, works. There, it's, yep, it will numb the pain. It will numb the pain. Temporarily. Temporarily. That's the thing. It will make, so I, whenever I used to travel, this is when I was really struggling with food and body, I would travel and I'd come home and it, and it was a lot for me, you know, a big transition and traveling and I'd walk in the house and I would just start eating, right? It was easier for me to eat and get myself grounded and feel like I was in my house than to actually feel like a little disoriented, sad about the place that I left, a little stressed about coming home, right? A lot of feelings yeah. when you're in transition. And so how did I cope with them? I would eat them, right? Because it worked, right? It didn't support my well-being long-term. It didn't make me feel good a half hour later because I was like, what? What What just happened there, right? Mm -hmm. The hangover that we get when we, do, we binge or eat a lot emotionally. So it's so important to realize like, wait, that emotional eating is actually trying to serve me right? That behavior. And this is a really, really important to, thing to, to wrap our minds around and our hearts around is that our unwanted eating behavior, they're like magic doorways. They're like red alert buttons on a car. They're like a flag waving to say, look over here. There is something going on. I'm it's like our body yelling. I have something to tell you. Please notice, look under the hood, right? It's not the behavior that we go, oh my gosh, the behavior's wrong. The behavior's wrong. Something's wrong with me because I'm doing this behavior. No, no, no. The behavior is trying to help us and there's something else going on. There's a need underneath. Yeah, there's there's a need underneath. And to your point, a lot of times that just sets us up even further in that downward spiral, because then, of course, we know we, we, we shouldn't binge, we shouldn't emotionally eat. And we polish off that entire pint of Gen Ben and Jerry's. And now all of a sudden, I feel guilty and shame for doing that. Mm -hmm. and, and now or so later, okay, well, now I'm going to XYZ to correct that quote, unquote, bad behavior. And that's just that is a that is a slippery downward slope that that will not serve us well in the long run. Well, Nina, I know we're getting short on time here, but I wanted to ask you, what's next? Where What's next on the horizon for you? Where are you going from here? Yeah. So I'm actually in love with what I'm doing right now. I am offering group programs. I work with women individually. I am teaching a lot. I am writing poems a lot. I am leading retreats. I am like completely, if you want to come to Italy and do body peace and aging with me, I have a retreat happening in April, 2023. So there's just a lot of really, the work that I do feels very rich. Something fun that I have right on the horizon, if you're listening to this before August 24th of 2022, is I have a free body peace class. And in it, as we, you know, we talked about these two relationships that our culture gives us in order to, here's the template for how to be in your body. You hate it or you manage it. So in the body peace class, we go into what are the other relationships that are possible and how do we get there? So if that's of interest, come to my website, ninamanelson.com or body peace with Nina. They'll both get you there. And there, there's a sign up for the free class, but there's also this really, which you can pick up at any time, whenever you're listening, an incredible journal. And it's about practicing body peace. And just as we were talking about what is the relationship we have with our body, there's 20 questions in that journal to really help you start to unpack what is your relationship with your body and how do you want it to shift? And how do you start to have this conversation? So the Practicing Body Peace Journal there is there too, and that's free. 
And that's free. Okay, thanks. And folks, I will put all of this into the show link, the show notes for this particular episode. You can find that there. Now, Nina, that free class you mentioned that's coming up in August 24th, is that an in-person event or is that a virtual event? It's a virtual event. Thank you for asking. Okay, so people, wherever you are, can participate. Wherever you are. Okay. And now we've mentioned your websites. And again, I'll throw that into the show notes. Are you on social media? Are there other ways that people can connect with you? Yes, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm even on Twitter. Not Twitter. Mm -mm. TikTok. There you go. Okay. And, And if you feel like, you know what, I really, this resonates. I just want to talk about it. Reach out to me. Great. I'm sure your contact information is on your website. People can find that there. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, Nina, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today, being vulnerable with us, sharing with us, and sharing all your knowledge and your wisdom and your insight. I think the work you're doing is fantastic and so needed, especially now. Again, I, I feel like the health and fitness and wellness industry has done a poor job communicating what you're talking about here. And I just really encourage you to keep up the great work. And I wish you all the best in all your future endeavors. Thank you, Kevin, so much for having me. It was such a juicy, deep conversation. I loved it. Okay, folks, that's our show for this week. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I want to let you know that we have other free resources over at silveredgefree.com. There you'll find free guides with my top tips on nutrition, exercise, and healthy lifestyle. So feel free to head over there and download anything that looks useful to you and your health and wellness journey. I also want to let you know that you can find all of the links to the resources we discussed in this episode over at silveredgefitness.com slash episode 135, and you can continue the conversation over there as well. I'd love to hear your thoughts and comments on today's show. I really appreciate you spending your time with me today, and until next time, stay strong.